1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti, Thank you so, so much for listening. This is our Braga review episode, but we will still also cover a little bit of the Genoa match as well. Unfortunately, I was just way too busy this week with a few family events to get a Genoa review slash Braga preview hot out, so apologies for that. But like I said, I do want to compare and contrast those two performances with this one against Braga, so we'll still cover it a little bit. I am joined by a guest to help me out with this episode, Gianluca, welcome back.
0: Happy to be here, Joe. Always a pleasure to be here chatting about Napoli with you.
1: Always a pleasure to have you on. All right, so let's talk about that match against Braga, which Napoli just barely won two to one on Wednesday. Let's start with all the chances that we created, especially in that first half. Gianluca, until Di Lorenzo's goal, it seemed like we just could not buy a goal in this one.
0: Yeah, it was uh, man, it was frustrating, but. You try to look at the silver lining in those things and seeing us create so many chances was nice considering the game prior against General, It took us a while. But it was definitely nice to see us get these chances. Now, it took us a while to convert, like you said, but it's a good sign to see that we're able to create the chances, create the space going forward in attack. You know, there was just little misfortune. I think that early victor chance was was the one that we all probably felt should have been the one that to be converted if any, but you saw the hunger.
1: Yeah, Osiman had just chance after chance in this match. I think we had eighteen shot attempts and he took half of them. <laughs> and like you said, other than that clear break in the first five minutes, which he should have taken, I thought he was just really unlucky. Like he had that header that Mateos made a just an unbelievable save where The goal line technology showed that the ball was like just a quarter of the ball over the line. So, I mean, what can you do there? He came close with a header about midway through the first half. He just out-jumped Jose Font, who's like 79 years old now, and just narrowly missed the first post. Uh, Minutes later, he smashes the ball off the bar, and he very nearly won a penalty kick. But I think the officials actually got that call right. And then he had a couple of shot attempts in the second half that either just missed the target or were blocked. But I agree, I was very happy to see that even though he didn't score, he was still awarded the Man of the Match award because he fully deserved it. He was an absolute beast in this match. I mean, if Raff and Raff did a rant, I can almost guarantee you that uh, that OC Man would have been the beast of the match and deservedly. So it was almost like he was determined to make up for that miss in the first five minutes, and he just was relentless for the the full 90 minutes that he played. He came off, I think, in the 90th minute. But it wasn't just those men who had chances. Like, obviously, Di Lorenzo scored the goal, and then Politano, and Gisa, Cavada all had pretty good chances as well. So we had lots and lots of chances. We didn't take them all due to a combination of, I would say, poor finishing and bad luck. We had a couple of posts, though, of course, we were also fortunate to get that own goal at the end. So I kind of feel like that... <laughs> That was sort of the equalizer you know we had the bad luck in the first half not being able to score and then we got the lucky goal in the second half now there are a few different avenues we can go down here but i want to compare napoli's attack in this match to our attack in the genoa match john even though we weren't as clinical as we would have liked to be in this one which actually almost cost us a couple of points if you think about it and i guess a good chunk of money for the club too because these wins in the champions league are worth a lot of money I thought both the quantity and the quality of chances we created against Braga were much better than the chances that we created against Genoa.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree. And in addition to quality and quantity, it was the frequency, especially in, in the first half and early on in the second. But even as you mentioned before, like Vada had some chances himself, but the amount that he created... In contrast to the general game night and day, you're talking about a complete different game from him. Now, he still hasn't gotten onto the score sheet, which is, you know, unfortunate. And he had the potential for probably four assists, if I'm even not going uh, over the top and exaggerating in this match against Braga. But we really, you know, were able to create, we were able to make space, whether, you know, it was through Vada or through Zielinski early on in the game. You know, Lobotka was working himself into the match much more than he did in the Genoa game. I think from a tempo maestro type of thing, like he he really was dictating more of the midfield. Although it's still nowhere near where it needs to be, but um, I think in this match versus the the general match, we were really able to just kind of open the field up how we usually like to play, and that is going to happen more in Champions League than it will in Serie A because. The Italian teams will sit a little bit more back. Braga really was opening up and playing, so the avenues were there for us. But we did well at even creating our own triangles. Were appearing, you know, maybe not as much as we'd like, but you saw the glimpses of the Napoli that this team can be. And as long as that frequency and the volume, you know, is consistent, we will get back to what we know we can do with this team.
1: Against Genoa, we had 12 total shot attempts, and we only hit the target with four of them. We missed the target three times, and we had five block shots. Against Braga, we had 18 total shot attempts. Six of them hit the target, six missed, and then two hit the frame of the goal, four were blocked. So we had more shots and more shots on target. But more important than the quantity of the shots, in my opinion, was the quality. Like, a lot of the chances we created against Braga were really high-quality chances, where it felt like against Genoa we created, like, next to nothing up until the two goals, right? It was shots from tight angles. It was like Cavada, that weak shot that he had that was stopped easily. Nothing that really felt like good-quality chances, whereas in this match, mm-hmm. even though it was frustrating that we weren't scoring, we were coming really close time and time again. So it did feel like it was only a matter of time and I think that was reflected in the XG as well. According to FB ref, our XG against Genoa was 0. 0.9 compared to 1.7 against Braga. So nearly double. And this was actually our second highest XG so far in the five games we've played this season. Only the Sassuolo match did we have a higher XG. You mentioned Cavada and the chances that he created. He's been the focus of a lot of attention because he hasn't scored a goal in a while. And my initial reaction was that he didn't play well. But then when I watched the game again, actually... Reconsidered and I realized exactly what you were talking about. That okay, fine, he still hasn't scored, but he created so many chances. By my count, it was five or six. Like, he played the cross on the header that we mentioned was cleared off the line. He would have assisted on the one that hit the crossbar. He made a quick turn and just did a little flick to tee up Oseman there. He cut the ball back to Politano, who was stopped by Mateus on the play right before Osimen was temporarily awarded the penalty kick he played the cross to Oseman at the second post when he assisted on DiLorenzo's Lorenzo's goal he made that crazy backheel pass to Oliveira which was around the hour mark and that led to a shot for Oseman so time and time again he yeah. was creating chances
0: he had one in particular that was maybe a 30 yard outside of the foot pass yeah well that. that uh Oseman missed that shot where maybe he should have passed it to Zelensky had he had seen that he was making an overlap run. But man, like like you said, th- during the game, I'm like, damn, where is he? He's not finding his feet. And, you know, I still had maybe the hangover from Genoa with him. Not that he had a bad match, so to speak, but you want to see him kill these smaller teams or rather we're used to him killing these smaller teams. So rewatching the game, you know, it's the same case for me. I, I was like, you know, a bad game for him. Is some player's best game. So I think we have to take it with a grain of salt. And and maybe he's not finding the back of the net. But like you said, he's setting up all of our guys that are supposed to find the back of the net. And as long as he continues to, they're going to end up finding the goal one way or another. We're not going to miss all these chances all year, every game. We're going to start finding the goal.
1: Exactly. Like I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that he was great either. I think he still has a few things to work on when the chances are presenting themselves, he's not hitting the target. He's trying to take on his men and not getting past them as often as he was in previous seasons. Though I think that's also because now teams, not that they've figured him out. Well, I guess you can say they have because it's been working so far. But the fact that he created so many chances suggests to me that now he's figuring them back out, right? Like he's, he's identifying when that second or third defender comes over to help. And he's looking to pick out a teammates with a pass, and that's a good sign. And Garcia, you know, for as much as we're going to get to Garcia because there's a lot to talk about him, one thing he's great at is talking, and and I do find myself agreeing with a lot of the things he's been saying. And one thing he said, and I believe it was in his pre match press conference, or maybe it was the the post match from the Genoa match, was that we don't need Cavada to score because he can still create chances. Like he got a he had a crazy assist. I I think it was, was it in the frozen match or in the Sassuolo match? I can't remember which one where he, he slipped the ball uh, into a very narrow space. And he also said that, you know, what he's telling Cavada, I guess what he's picked up on is that, you know, he wants to score so badly that that could actually make it harder for you to score. And so he's telling him, just be calm, just play your game, have fun. And the goals will come on their own. Now, Unfortunately, for all we did in attack, we remained really poor in defense. So (laughs) let's move on to to that side of the game. Gianluca, the way we play in the non-possession phase was really not that much better compared to the, say, the last half hour against Lazio or that first hour against Genoa, where we conceded a lot of chances in this match.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's tough because... I even watched the extended highlights after even watching the game because you can see more pointed, you know, views or highlights. And one thing that I saw, there was that late corner kick in the Braga game. And one of their, their striker was left, I believe, open, and he took a volley or he trapped the ball and he tried to put it in far post. And had it been on target, goal, no question about it. And those type of plays... We're not pointing out where the error is because there's too much analyzing that people need to do for that. But, you know, players that we're really behind, uh, you know, everyone loves Elmas. I'm a fan of Elmas, but you leave your player open like that, you're just going to make your team look so much more weaker than it is. Our midfield problem is making our defense look very weak. And when your midfield is missing, all right, perfect example. The the play where Ossiman hit the post. There was a counter attack that followed right after that. Where as soon as it started in my head, Joe, I'm, I'm thinking like of Napoli of years past. This is a goal. This is a goal. Like I'm like preparing myself, watching the play, and I'm like, it's all it's happening. But Loboka and Zelinsky were rushing back. And for some reason, Zambo never entered the screen. And last year, you know, granted different coach Spalletti, that doesn't really matter to me. So much, these players on the field are responsible. Now, yeah, they're doing training with the coach, but these players on the field are 100% responsible. And if you're not tracking back, and when they show the replay, there's no reason for him not to be because he's standing... 10 yards behind Man off that shot, so he should have been in a position to run back. It's leaving our defense very vulnerable. Guys like guard and Juan Jesus cannot be peppered with chances. They are good. They're not great. Neither one of them are great. Like, you know, everyone wants to judge Juan Jesus. Honestly, besides Di Lorenzo, he's been our most consistent defender probably in the course of these few games in the sense of he's not, causing every single goal. Like these goals are team goals that we're losing. Yeah, he gave up the one goal in, in Genoa, but he was raising his hand for a foul that he saw against Zambo that I thought was a foul myself, you know, and and I was confused how it wasn't reviewed because I believe it was the goal scorer who even fouled him. And granted he shouldn't be calling for fouls in the middle of plays, but we're not looking at everyone under the same microscope. So, you know, that's I guess what frustrates me and for me I believe our defense is looking so bad and and not doing well because our midfield is not there. Last year, we had, from day one, the best midfield in Italy. And that's why Kim was able to be as great as he was and Rachmani was able to be as great as he was. And granted, Kim was possessed. But when your midfield is that good, your defense is going to be even better. And once we get that midfield in shape, our defense will look good and hopefully seeing Natan this week for a few minutes is a a sign for the future. And and hopefully we get to see him play regardless of Rachmani being hurt. And, you know, we could put some fans mind at ease and head in the direction because we have the quality to me, there's, you know, just as much blame on coach and players and we have the quality for this team to, to be where they need to be.
1: I definitely think it's a combination. I mean, not just on the defensive end, But even in the attack, right, like some of those chances, sometimes you just need the player to take the chance, right? I don't know how you can blame Garcia for that. Yes, you can blame him if we're not creating enough chances or if we're in the wrong positions when we get the ball, things like that. But that Osiman chance in the first five minutes, that's entirely on the player, right? And yeah, that happens in games. I'm not expecting Osiman to convert every single chance he gets, but there's still some accountability on the player's. That goal in the Genoa match was Coney De Devinter that pushed off on Nguisa. And, and I think he actually assisted on the goal because then he went and beat... Who was it at the first post? Oh, it was Osiman because normally Osiman defends the first post and he beat him and then they got to tap in on the goal. You mentioned the consistency of the defense. One player who I thought was really poor and probably has been poor all season so far from the defensive standpoint was Matthias Oliveira. And he got beat on that counterattack that you mentioned. It started with him getting sort of pinching, pressing high, and getting beat, and then Braga were off to the races. Another thing that Garcia said previously that I agree with, and it echoes what you just talked about, was that defending is not just on the defenders. It starts actually with the strikers, then it's on the midfielders, and then it's on the defenders. It's You defend as a team. The problem is that despite making some tweaks – we still conceded a lot of chances. In fact, we conceded more shots and shot attempts against Braga than we did against Genoa. That was another one of those matches where it's like they have three shots on target and two of them end up in the back of the goal. That part is a little bit unlucky. In this match, we were probably more lucky that Braga weren't that clinical. But it was interesting because we defended a little bit differently. I thought against Genoa, it seemed like we wanted to press high just it was a really poor attempt at a high press in terms of the, just the lack of cohesion between the forwards and the midfielders. And they just didn't seem to be on the same page. And when you don't press collectively as a team, even a team like Genoa, who's newly promoted are going to play through that. And we saw them do that time and time again in that match against Braga. It looked like Garcia moved away from the press and we were defending with basically five midfielders the the wingers dropped into a 4-5-1 which was actually something that reminded me of the Gattuso era a couple we saw a couple things that reminded me of the Gattuso era the amount of touches that Meret had with his feet was another one and yet even with five guys in the middle of the field it seemed like Braga were still able to play through us so that's still a bit concerning for me but to your point there were a couple of players you mentioned that Nguisa as one of them like he had some really bad turnovers where i don't know if he's just tired if he's mentally wasn't there for this match i mean he wasn't great in the genoa match either but some of the decision making like the play where he turned the ball over in front of our our own area and committed a foul just on the edge of the area they nearly scored on that one even late in the match where the ball kind of spilled out towards the right side of our own area and he got there first, and I don't know what he was doing. I guess he didn't see that there was a Braga player conceded possession, and they nearly scored again. So, yeah, Angisa was really poor. While I've defended Jesus quite a bit, I do still think he wasn't that great, in my opinion, and, and even Ostergaard maybe not so much. But, you know, what were your thoughts on Ostergaard's performance? Obviously, he came in to replace Rachmani, who was went off injured after something like 13 minutes he played the full match against Genoa now he played a almost a full match against Braga how are you feeling with him as one of the center backs
0: you know I like Ostegaard but if I had the option to have a better guy back up Rachmani I'd take it for me I don't even see so much the future in him I don't see Ostagard as Napoli's future center back I don't think that he could get to that type of quality. I think he's good, but I think like he's high end middle of the group. He's not like, you know, a top tier defender. Against Genoa he looked good, you know, I think he wasn't terrible, but he definitely played a game versus Genoa that earned him the start this week, you know, and I and I do support the fact that he got the start this week. Now, he has moments where It's similar to like that Manolas from a where they can do world class things and be great, and then they can have a moment where you're like, "What the hell was that?" And uh, for me, when uh, he kind of lost the ball that led to that first Braga goal where they scored the header over on Juan Jesus, you know, I felt like that was a ball like just because of the nature of everything that happened, like DiLorenzo Lorenzo just kind of did a risky tackle. The ref waved it off. The ball falls to him. And he kind of tried to dribble it with three guys more or less around him thinking I'm either going to get the foul or whatever. But in those moments late in the game, you just get rid of it. Let Braga reset. You also let your team reset defensively and go from there. Um, I feel like that loss granted Juan Jesus the offside trap and Braga got the header and scored. While I dislike defensive errors what I hate more is losing possession stupidly and I feel Ostergaard lost possession stupidly in that moment and that's ultimately what led to Braga having a chance in scoring defenders are going to get beat it's going to happen what we can't allow to happen is when we have the ball to give it up so easily then there was also another moment where he had a clearing header uh, at the end of the game in our box and you know, it would have probably been a risk for him to head it back to Merritt. So he he tried to head it away and he kind of just headed it into no man's land and Baga had another, you know, solid attempt out of it. Outside of those two events, he played a fairly good game. You know, his passing was was pretty decent. He was winning headers. He had a few moments where maybe he got, you know, juggle pass, but lucky for us we were kinda of compact, so you know, him committing to a player wasn't a huge risk. I like what he offers of corner kicks, the offensive corner kicks, because he's a huge body that can get up. So it provides another dynamic. But, you know, ultimately with him, I think the silver lining to Rukmani being hurt is him getting minutes will only help him improve. And even if I don't think his ceiling is as high as other fans might, might think it is, he will ultimately be a better player if he gets more time we just got to be patient. I have to be patient with him because I feel like I've been hard on him, but (laughs) you know, I don't, I don't like seeing stupidity like that. Like getting beat is one thing, but giving the ball up is is another for me.
1: Yeah. I think his performance kind of perfectly sums up both why he's at Napoli and why he hasn't played a whole lot. Right. Because I think the potential is there. He's still young. We know he's an absolute beast in the air but, you know, he's prone to the mistake or the poor decision. And both of those plays that you described are examples of that conceding possession right before the goal, that poor clearance, which is was uncharacteristic of him because of how good he is in the air. I mean, it was raining. So maybe it was just one of those things where it skipped off his head, but they nearly tied the match again after that. I think that was the play where they smashed the post, like really late in the match. So it was a bit of a scramble there on Juan Jesus. I I mean I've defended him probably more than anyone and and even for me it's hard to defend him after this performance like aside from the goal where he lost his man and then he's calling for the offside before the header even happens there was another play just like that in the first half where he lost Abel Ruiz and we were a little fortunate that that header just didn't hit the target even earlier in the match he pinched on the wing and got beat and that led to a chance but that was the one that deflected off of Labotka, and I think Meret might have gotten a hand on it as well. So I don't mind Jesus playing occasionally as a guy to fill in for an injured player or to give someone a rest here and there. But he can't be our starting center back. And I never thought that was the intention. Like my my opinion is that we were only playing him this many games because we needed to get Nathan up to speed. Now we did see Natan, you know, it was a very brief appearance. He basically just played stoppage time. But was there anything from that brief appearance? You know, there was that obviously that tackle he made that gave you sort of some optimism that, okay, we're going to start seeing him more regularly and that he could be actually a maybe not a great replacement for Kim, but certainly a better option than Juan Jesus.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, the few minutes from him, obviously nothing happened that we could say like, oh, man, what about this guy? So that's always good. But, yeah, that sliding tackle was uh, textbook. You know, that that is the ideal tackle that you want to see in the area. And if it had not taken an awkward deflection, he could have risen and walked that ball out of the box. It really was a nice slide tackle. I know he had a chance where he went up for a header. I think maybe he had one pass or two passes under pressure that that were pretty decent. But, you know, I, I think um, it's a good thing, right? You know, granted, you never really want to see a center back substitute late in the game with only a one goal lead. It's not very typical, even even with keeping other defenders on there. You know, sometimes disrupting... The rhythm that's been happening in the game for eighty plus minutes, you want to just kind of keep it going, even if maybe you're you're not one hundred percent confident. But you know, nothing that we saw from him, we could really complain about. I'm excited, and I hope that he plays in this in this next match. Considering it's a it's a short week, and he is probably the freshest legs out of all the center backs since we we only have three available. But yeah, I think think Juan Jesus, like you said. He's had a few good games thus far, but, um, you know, we never expected him, like you said, to be the starter. And we all know that, you know, he could have a few games, but that consistency can uh, quickly give out. You know, I think this game, you're starting to see it. So if if we do have to, you know, head into Bologna going, uh, Natan and Ostergaard, you know, It'll be a tough match for sure because Tiago Mota has been doing pretty well with the Bologna, at least from an offensive perspective. Very quick passing. So it'll be interesting. But the Bologna game is where I feel comfortable saying, like, all right, let's put him in it. It just kind of sucks that Rukmani's. But we um, can't complain about him. We haven't seen enough
1: yet. Yeah, I, that substitution to me was also very Gatuzo esque. It was. You know, we're going to sit back and defend this lead rather than, you know, and, and to your point earlier, you don't want to compare it to Spalletti, but it's so hard not to for how well we played last season. And like in previous season or seasons, the last two, we would have just dominated the ball and played, you know, run out the clock just with possession. So it's difficult to watch a team playing with three center backs and the two fullbacks dropping. So it's five at the back and hanging on for dear life which was basically what we did in this one you know on the slide tackle I saw some people complaining that I just didn't really understand like I get maybe he took a little bit of a risk but you know I saw others pointing out in comments on posts that Koulibaly used to make tackles like that all the time and nobody had a problem with it now maybe it was because we knew Bali and we trusted and we knew what he was capable of and this was a guy we've never seen before but The way he made the tackle, while it was risky at the same time, he appeared to have just complete control of his body. And it looked like he would have been able to sort of pull out of that somehow or you know, avoid making the foul. And I think just the fact that he even attempted it in that situation, it's his first appearance for Napoli. It's his first appearance in the Champions League. He's coming on in the final five minutes of a very close match with a lot of pressure. And he's still willing to make that slide tackle tells me a lot about his confidence. And then I also love the way he celebrated the tackle afterwards, like he scored a goal. That was a nice little, nice little reaction. And also, I don't know if you saw it, but even, um, I don't know if it was after the Politano goal or after the the Raspadori goal in the Genoa match, but him and Lindstrom were both celebrating quite a bit on the touchline as well. So those are positive signs as as fans. That's what you want to see from, from your new players. I was going to ask you if you think he's ready to play more regularly, but I think we don't really have a choice anymore because with Rachmani hurt, they are saying it's a thigh strain. I think they're going to do more tests on Friday, so we won't know the severity. But in all likelihood, he's going to miss at least a game or two. And with all the games that we have coming up, we're probably going to have to use all three of our center backs. I think you kind of already answered this question earlier, but you know, between the three, what would be your preferred center back pairing? Would it be Ostergaard and Nathan?
0: I guess, you know, lack of confidence, even in my answer, but only because we are playing Bologna, you know, if we were playing more of a legitimate, like, or top team, rather, I don't want to (laughs) delegitimize Bologna, but, you know, if we were playing a top team, then I would You know, people would say, oh, my God, Juan Jesus, but I don't know, like the experience does kind of matter, or at least it calms my nerves in the sense of I know what to expect out of him. I guess, though, this match, I would want to see Ostergaard and Natan, but it does make me nervous because I don't know what to expect, you know, and and not to to go back too much on the previous point, but the slide tackle that he made. You know, people will say that's risky, but honestly, if you know soccer, that slide tackle was purely to block a cross. It was not to steal the ball. It was not to challenge even the player. It was to block a cross. He was committed to blocking a pass. Had the player not made a pass at all, he would have just slid completely out of bounds and missed him, and it would have been a whole highlight reel about you know him sliding for ten minutes. But uh <laughs> And that's also part of his game, you know. One thing that I think all Napoli fans can agree on—that of you know—we all do our research and watch these players' highlight reels when we sign them. This guy, part of his game is slide tackling, and that's exactly what he did. So I agree with you. I, I applaud the confidence, but at the same time, like you know, I appreciate that he's holding on to the player that he is, and I think that's why we signed him. You know, cool, Bali. even before we all grew to, to love him as much as we all do and did, you know, that was part of his game early. And there were some times that it bit us in the ass, but more often than not, it didn't. So I got some all for this kid playing his game. Our scouts thought highly of him, and uh, apparently he was on a lot of people's radars. So um, I think we just got to roll the dice and let him play. It's the only way we'll know what the rest of the season holds for us in some sense
1: I think a lot of people were maybe overreacting just to the fact that he hasn't played a whole lot and assuming that that meant he must not have been that good you know there were all these talks about learning the language and and getting accustomed to the, the style of play Garcia did also reveal recently that he was still recovering from a knee injury that he had at Bragantino so that factored into it as well the one reason I would say that it's possible we could still see Ostergaard and Nathan start this match is only because Jesus just played twice in a week, right? So for a player at his age and size, I'm not sure he can handle another match. I know center backs don't run as much, but that could be a reason why uh, we see Nathan start this one. Let's close with Rudy Garcia, which has been really the the main topic of conversation around Napoli and probably rightfully so. He remains under the microscope after this match. I tweeted after the match, or I, I guess I posted after the match, that uh, <laughs> that I didn't feel really much better after this match. Even though we won, I didn't feel much better than I did after the draw to Genoa. Do you feel any better? Does this result change anything for you in terms of expectations for the team under Garcia?
0: I mean, I'm still not the happiest. But I guess I'm just trying to take the positives where I can. You know, we won, we won this game. It was a tough game. We created a lot of chances, but we also allowed a lot of chances. Our midfield is probably at 30%, if you ask me. Like we're not even, we're not even at 50% yet. But, you know, I'm trying to just, you know, maintain the mindset as if I was playing and just the idea of you won this game. You know, just take that and be happy and move forward. Focus on the next game and just make improvements for where you lacked in this game. You know, I think it was Oseman that had the quote, like, you know, I wanted to score, I missed a few chances, but we got the three points. You know, that's what matters and we move on to the next one. And I I think that's just exactly it. Hopefully this next match, our impact players get more touches. Right before we hopped on, I was like checking on Fat Mob. And I checked to see how many touches Merritt had. And I think he had about 40 or 42, just a lot. It's not in Gattuza territory yet. I think Gattuza territory was like 65. <laughs> but it's a lot. And not that, like, oh, I'm like anti merit touching the ball. I'm anti goalie touching the ball. Goalie should be touching the ball when we're in trouble and we need to pass it back to him. Outside of that, you know, making a save. But we need to get the ball. Like Vada had 44 touches. Even Lobotka had under 50 touches. Those are two things that need to change. Because when you actually think about it, right, Vada having 44 touches, Merit having 42, and Vada only having 44 and creating as many chances as he did, you have to put the ball at his feet, you know, another 10, 15 times. And the same for Lobotka and you know, more will cook for us. You know, hopefully uh, they're able to address the midfield. I have faith that these guys, uh, you know, their IQ is so high and their talent is so high that they're going to be able to get it together. But yeah, I mean, with Rudy, it's a different school of thought. People will hate the idea of the sit back and defend, but that's something that Mourinho has kind of made a career out of himself. You know, a lot of big coaches do it, granted, our team, I feel like, is built to score and be more of an attacking team than defensive. And Rudy typically is. So hopefully it's just a matter of these guys physically getting to 100% and the few guys that are in a slump and Gisa, Rui, Oliveira, and maybe a little bit of Vara. If they shake it off, you know, this team could be in a really different spot very quickly. You know, we got a tough stretch of games coming. So, hopefully, they get back into shape because it's going to be tough.
1: In Meret's defense or in fairness to Maret, when he did get the ball, he seemed fairly calm on the ball. He didn't seem too nervous. His distribution was pretty good, even in terms of goalkeeping. I thought he was, you know, aggressive off his line. He was attacking a lot of balls in the air and punching them away and all that stuff. So, I guess if he's okay you know, with his feet, it's less risky. But we're all kind of, I think, just it feels like a ticking time bomb. You're waiting for that one mistake, and then all the Medet haters are going <laughs> to come out of the yeah, weeds. I, and-
0: I'm fine with him. I've been very happy with him. Yeah. But me personally, I just don't want the ball on that side of the field. We want to be moving forward. If our midfield's not playing good, you don't want to keep resetting to the defense. But what are you going to do?
1: No, I get your point. The fact that the keeper had that many touches clearly means the ball spent a lot of time in our own box, which is not where we want it to be. I'm hoping that perhaps this victory, especially away from home, is the start of a bit of a turnaround. I said after the Lazio match that you know, we need to give Garcia more time. I still think we need to give him more time. He currently has a record of three wins, one draw, and one loss, so you know, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Yet, yeah, there's you know, this a is the
0: Monopoly fan. You think, yeah, that we, we, you think that we never won a game
1: at the <laughs> same time? Like, hashtag Garcia out is like trending, <laughs> you know. But, um, but and and I know why, right? Like, it's, it's not the results that people are upset about, it's the way we're playing that they're frustrated with. And we're certainly not going to change the minds of anyone who already wants him out. Like, I had an exchange with someone on X who said that you know Napoli didn't take their chances because the team plays nervous and they're unsure of themselves and I was like okay so many beautiful chances yeah like I said earlier I mean at least some of the accountability has to be on the players I'm not saying most of it or all of it like I still feel like most of this is on Garcia but these are professional footballers right like as I said, Victor should have scored that breakaway. Zielinski probably should have scored that chance he had in the second half where he seemed sort of caught between two minds, whether to, to yeah. shoot or pass on the ball. And that that of, was one that was,
0: you know, like that's it. Like, And you can't blame the coach for that. These, like you said, they're professionals. This is what they're paid to do, you know.
1: Two things can be true at the same time. It can be that the players were not clinical and that the coach is not doing a good job. I mean we can see how the team is playing. There's no denying that we're not playing anywhere near the way we played last season, or or another way to put it is anywhere near our full potential. Like you said, our midfield is playing at 30% of what they're capable of playing at. Although I do feel like we got some indication from Lobotka that he's starting to understand how Garcia wants him to play. I thought he was a little bit better. And friend of the pod Vincenzo mentioned this as well like we learned sadly that during the international break his father passed away we don't know what sort of the circumstances were around that but you know that's definitely something that could be affecting a player obviously if if you've got that on your mind so yeah you know that was positive obviously another interesting thing that Vincenzo said was that it's weird like none of us expected Anguisa to be the guy out of the midfield that. Would struggle because he actually played with for Garcia before MRC. Meanwhile, Zelensky is having one of his best seasons so far. I mean, we're only four or five games in, but he's playing amazing. Politano's playing amazing. And you know, for any of these arguments, the Garcia out people are gonna say things like, Yeah, well, Politano's playing well because Lozano left. And you know, discredit anything that <laughs> that Garcia is doing, he only gets credit for the bad stuff. But while there are players who have not been as good like Engie, so there are some players who are performing better. I think one of the reasons why we're struggling a little bit defensively, in my opinion as well, in addition to what we mentioned earlier, is that we're not holding the ball as long as we did previously, right? Like sometimes the best defense is a good offense. And mm-hmm. and if your opponent doesn't touch the ball, guess what? They're not going to have a whole lot of chances. Whereas in this match against Braga, we actually had a lower possession than Braga did but again that's also going to happen when you play this direct style of play because when you play the long ball there are going to be times where you just concede possession so the other team's going to hold on to the ball more and that could also be contributing to the midfielders being more tired because you tend to run more when you don't have the ball so there's things that are clearly not good and need to be improved on but if you want to be the optimist and I know that there are some Napolitani out there that absolutely refuse to be optimistic. But, you know, then I would suggest that there are some positives that we can focus on. Like, you know, we've talked a lot about the bad final hour against Lazio and the bad first hour against Genoa, but we were actually very good in the first hour against Lazio and the final half hour against Genoa. Also, in both the Lazio and Braga matches, we immediately responded to their goals with a goal of our own. Yes, they were both a little bit lucky in terms of how we scored those goals, but we still saw sort of an immediate increase in intensity after we conceded, right? And Zelensky was part of both of those. So I think there's there's still some hope there. You know, some people have really given up already. <laughs> I'm still willing to give it some time and, and see how it goes. I think, you know, if we can harness those positive things and make some tweaks to the things that are not working, then there is still the potential for this to, to go well. One last point also is that I feel like the Garcia out crowd, and not that I want to group our fans into buckets, but the people who are really against Garcia are kind of looking for reasons to support their argument. So like one popular one is that people are now saying that the players don't, they're unhappy with him. The main reason being how Cavada reacted when he was substituted from the the Genoa match or like a one second clip of Simeone sitting on the bench. Somehow everyone is like a an expert on reading facial expressions, but that's actually not consistent with what the players are saying in their interviews. In the interviews, whether it was Mario Rui before the match or Di Lorenzo after the match or Meret in the mixed zone, they're all saying that they're a very tight knit very united group. I mean, you watch the training sessions, guys are happy, they're laughing, they're they're getting along well. That doesn't look like a team that's unhappy with the coach. You know, some of these people, it's like they're waiting for the next mutiny to happen. And <laughs> I just
0: don't see that. It's strange. Napoli fans are easily rattled and we are emotional by nature. The thing is with this situation, you know, I think with Spalletti leaving... Some people weren't the biggest fan of Rudy signing to begin with. And with how we're looking now, it's just more of a like, see, I told you this guy wasn't the right one, blah, 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 blah. When Spalletti was first signed, people didn't like him either. Check my receipts. I was not thrilled about the Spalletti signing. Spalletti was category top four coach who only won in Russia and he helped teams that were in the position that Napoli found themselves to be in at the time post Gattuso, but we had lightning in a bottle with him. It wasn't like we had Pep Guardiola and we lost him. And now we signed Rudy Garcia. We had Spalletti; He had a great thing going and it worked. We had probably the best team that he's ever had at his disposal in his career. And I think just Rudy's not getting a fair shake. He's a different type of coach. You know, like you were saying about the players being united, even um, after Di Lorenzo's goal, you saw a moment with uh, Politano and him, uh, where Politano brings him into the, the celebration huddle. So, you know, I, I don't like to believe these things. Um, you know, the players are hungry. When we were up one and, nothing and when Zielinski missed that chance in the last quarter of the second half before Braga had tied it, they were angry as if we were, you would have thought we were losing the game, trying to tie it up. And you were seeing that very often in this match. They are starving for goals and they're not playing like they have no food in their stomach. Like that's the thing. Like we're, we're getting the chances. We're just not having the best luck converting, whether it might be, you know, we're dealing with a deflection or the post or whatever, They're going to hit their rhythm and once we crack the seal properly, it's going to happen. Once we get that game where we score a goal early and we continue to apply pressure, it's going to allow us to get in that position. Now, last year when everything kicked off, it was from the Liverpool match and no one saw that coming. We were without Victor and we went rampant on Liverpool. And we won. The game before that, we barely won against Spezia. You know, so, like, we do need to calm down a little bit because this isn't far off from how we started last season. I agree with you. Me, personally, the first half versus Lazio, even though we gave up a goal, was the best that we've looked all year. I was lucky enough to be at that game to see that, but unlucky enough to see them lose. And, you know, watching that game and in halftime, I... Said to my dad, I'm like, if we come out playing better than we just did, we're going to win this game by a lot more than just a goal or two. I don't know what the hell happened, and the complete opposite occurred, but we're seeing glimpses of this team's potential. And I think, like you said, the midfield getting tired can be playing a role in why there are so many gaps, why Zambo is not running back on a fast break for our opponent. Things like that. And once we tune those and tighten those, we're going to be okay, I think. And I trust Rudy to fix that problem. I am giving him eight or nine games domestically, not counting Champions League, but I think that we can turn this around. The next two games, I think we'll see a better Napoli.
1: Just quickly on the celebration, that was another of the celebration of the Lorenzo's goal. That was another play where, you know, some media kind of focused on that as a negative at, you know, the initial image that we all saw was like the whole team huddled up together celebrating and Garcia standing on the side. And then this morning I see a different outlet post sort of a frame by frame showing how like within seconds, Politano went over, like you said, and brought Garcia into the huddle and he was a part of it. So the media is certainly not helping with all of this. I mean, I guess they're just doing their job and trying to get clicks, but, you know, there's always different ways you can look at things. I agree with you in terms of the number of games. I think the next three or four games are going to be really decisive or really telling because of the opponents we play. And not to say that we have easy opponents necessarily because I think Bologna and Lecce are both tricky opponents. We've seen them take points off of the big teams already. But if we do drop more points in these matches against Bologna, Udinez, it was not very good, Lecce, then... I'll be more open to the idea of sacking Garcia right now. I'm just in a wait and see and see how it goes. One last thing I'll say on that is for anyone who's hoping for Antonio Conte to be the next coach. I mean, I wouldn't hold your breath. Not, not that I don't think he would be a great coach and can make it work, even with the existing squad. I just don't see De Laurentiis paying Conte's salary or, you know, the salary that he would demand on top of paying Rudy Garcia for basically two full seasons and then also having to splash a bunch of cash on players because we know that any team that Conte goes to, the first thing he does is demand a whole bunch of players. So if you're holding out waiting on Antonio Conte, I wouldn't uh, hold your breath. Gianluca, we're pretty much out of time already. But uh, any final thoughts before we wrap it up?
0: No, I feel like we really we hit a lot during this, but um, I expect a big game from Cavada, whether it's off the bench or from the starting. Starting minute. And here's a, a hot take. I would like to see Simeone play. At the same time, I want Osimenta to play so that he could, you know, get a goal again and kind of get his, his beak wet again. But maybe the best thing for him is to come off the bench at the 70th minute and kind of sit back and get in against the tired team and let Cholito get some minutes. I think uh, that might do him some well you know, kind of split it up, break up the rhythm and, uh, and see if that floats.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he seemed a little bit off even when he came on, but I think that's, that's normal for a guy who really hasn't played a whole lot. And again, with this schedule, I think you do need to rotate it. And, and also with how many injuries we've been picking up, even if they've been relatively minor muscular things, you do really need to be careful with the minutes that you're giving these guys to make sure that, uh, you know, we want to make sure that Osiman's in the squad when we're playing Real Madrid. That we can mm-hmm. afford to not start him against a Bologna or Odinez or a Leches. So yeah, completely agree with that. Okay, that is where we'll leave it, Gianluca. It's always a pleasure to have you on the pod.
0: Oh, it's always a pleasure for me, Joe. This is great. My blood pressure is high though, so now I gotta cool off. But
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is supposed to be like to calm people down. But uh, yeah, I can appreciate talking about the Genoa match, especially you can <laughs> get the blood pressure back up again. You can find Gianluca on Twitter at Gianluca617. You can find me on Twitter at... Oh, sorry. I was supposed to say X. I've been trying to say the right name. (laughs) (laughs) You can find me on X at Joe underscore Fisgetti5, and you can find the podcast on all your usual social media channels at Forza Napoli Pod. I will be back in probably a day or two with just a quick mini pod to preview that match against Bologna on Sunday. But until then, I'm Joe Fisgetti. Forza Napoli sempre.